morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for joining. At CIQ, we're focused on powering the next generation of software infrastructure, leveraging the capabilities of cloud, hyperscale, and HPC. From research to the enterprise, our customers rely on us for the ultimate Rocky Linux, Werewolf, and Aptainer support escalation. We provide deep development capabilities and solutions, all delivered in the collaborative spirit of open source. Hey, Rose. I hope you can hear me. There we go. <laughs> there you are. Yeah. I had to unmute first, although I was like doing a dance. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Rocky Good choice. Good choice. I think that's a new one. I don't think I've seen the one that you're wearing right no. now. Is this, is this? I've had this one for a long time. It's just okay. I'm not a big fan of it. I like the logo. Oh, uh, like it's a weird material or something. It's a weird material. It's, it's mm. hot here and it's really heavy. So I just don't wear it very often. Yes. Yes. I, I understand yes, what you're saying. Still very hot. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting day today. We are answering questions because we get a lot of questions. We get a lot of people calling in, writing in, chatting in, what is going on? We release a lot of new products and services and how do you pronounce our name? I was actually listening to another podcast this morning <laughs> and the guy was like, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Is it sick? I'm not, I'm not sure. CIQ? So yes, for all the world to know, we, we do refer to ourselves as CIQ. So welcome to our YouTube channel. And I have to tell you, Zane, this morning I was on a call with a potential customer and we were having a chat and he goes, and he was in Poland. And oh, he wow. said, yes. And he said, well, good morning. It was 7 a.m. for me. And I said, well, good afternoon. And he said, good evening, wherever you are. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. Zane. <laughs> Thank you. You're known, man, worldwide, worldwide. I stole it. I stole it from somebody. Who knows? It's <laughs> awesome. We do get lots of fun questions, though. Yeah. Similarly yeah. The wall questions. Yeah. We're so if you guys have questions, we would really appreciate you posting them up here. Then we will address them because we have we have some interesting characters to bring on today. We do bring on Speaking the characters. Speaking of interesting characters, look at this crew. <laughs> Dave, I haven't seen you in a long time. I feel like it's been way too long. It has What's been too that? long, Zane. What is up, man? How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. For Forrest. How are you? Living the dream. I know what you're doing. Kind of. A little louder. We'll skip you. Michael, as you take a drink, welcome. I was going to say uh, hello and... That made me think, Zane, of uh, the Truman Show. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I think it's that's how it went. Now that you say that, that's <laughs> probably exactly where I stole it from. Thank you yeah. for finally putting putting that in place. One of the best ones of all time. But <laughs> good afternoon. Or terrifying. One of the two. Greg, welcome. Hey there. How's it going? Characters. <laughs> hey there, fellers and fellettes. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Forrest, can we hear you now? I know. I think he's got a generator going on in the background, too. So that means the mystery place. Nope. Now he's going to go turn it off. Watch. Nope. Nope. I, I thought that was not. Usually on my Zoom calls, I'm told people can't hear that in the background. The noise cancellation works well enough. Can you guys hear me now, or is uh, it still loud? We can hear you. Just hey, speak loud. Know. It'll be good. Yeah. I, will, uh, I will labor to fix it. Give me a little bit. Ah, whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just He's on a mission it. now. You know, you get the idea in his mind. He's go. He's going to fix it. I know. I, I feel solving. like this is one of those, since it's an ask me anything things, we almost have to ask Forrest why. Like, why are you? What's he doing? All right. Yeah, he's figuring out. So since we we want people to ask questions and nobody's posted one yet, so I guess we'll start asking our own questions. And I, I feel like we've been over this. I know I've been over this with Dave and Forrest before, but I don't know. I don't know, Greg, if I've ever asked you, why are you at CIQ? The mustache is real. Careful. Careful <laughs> yes. <what> you ask. <laughs> the mustache is real, but I think I, I would like to know why are you at CIQ? Why you? am I at CIQ? That's an interesting yeah. question. Um, one is they told me they would pay me if I came mm. here. So that was an important. That was you a big told you that. Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm waiting to see the checks. Um, okay. Come through. Oh, and I have been told. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, they gave me a, a whole suitcase of IOUs. So you might want to hang on to that one. Though. There we go. One right there. Yeah. There we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, why did I come over here? Uh, well, one. Uh, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of. I'm not going to put them in order. No, no certain order. One is there's a lot of terrific people over there. Uh, ones that I know I've worked with for a really long time and honestly trust. And to me, if they are at a place and they say it's good, I, I can feel comfortable about it. And that's, that's like an important one for me is like safety and like knowing that I'm going to be working with good people. I think everybody in their life has worked with people that are uh, a little bit less good or maybe more difficult. And the team of uh, folks here, as I like to call them, the, uh, the lemmings, uh, they all seem to follow each other from one place to the other. And I desperately have become a lemming. And so I'm, I'm happy to uh, follow everybody along, but really honestly, the way, uh, CIQ does business differently was super attractive. So, uh, twofold, I've worn a lot of hats in my life and I continue to wear hats. It's, you know, it's, it's how, uh, you know, how, how you get through life, I guess. But one of the things is support, like you guys sort of reimagined what support can look like. And, uh, generally that, you know, support is a four letter word for most people. It's not something you want to have to deal with. Uh, it's generally, uh, your last ditch effort. Like if I'm going to get support on the line, that means I've exhausted every other thing. And here you, people don't feel that way. Like we make it an environment where you don't have to feel that way. Like I have to desperately try and figure it out before I slog through going. So to me, that was a huge one, right? Cause if you've been in it long enough, you, you feel that pain. Um, Two is I've been a manager. Like I was even VP of technology for a data center group at one point. And I had to deal with a lot of contracts and a lot of vendors. And that was the least interesting part of my job. And so <laughs> one of the, the things that CIQ does is they get rid of like having to count nodes and keep track of all this. It's like, I don't have to do that anymore. And so to me, it's like, it's kind of revolutionized both sides, whether you're an individual contributor Right with support, or you're kind of on the management side, and I don't have to deal with all the the annoying like contract keeping count of things. Oh my God, we're three months out. I got to start doing all this stuff all over. It's like all that's gone, and so I am just happy to make people's lives better in that regard. It's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm glad, David Rush. Thank you, and welcome back. If you don't mind tossing that one up there, but I think this is a great question. And I'm going to, I'm going to let Dr. Godlove answer this one first. What are your day-to-day -day responsibilities? Good question. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. No, 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 no. I think that's a great question. Um, so I like to think, um, so we have a lot of, not we have a fair amount. Um, I kind of, I think the right amount of autonomy as solutions architects at CIQ. Um, I, I kind of like to take our, our day-to-day -day tasks and I sort of divide them by like top down versus bottom up. So what are we getting like externally from others that we need to do that, you know, um, we have to, you know, jump in and fill a gap versus what are the things that we're interested in and we think will help to drive some innovation forward you know, at the company and what do we want to work on and what kind of ideas do we have? So those are the different types of tasks, broadly speaking. So, um, you know, and then I, I jotted down, uh, I saw the question come in and I jotted down a few quick notes that I wouldn't just like, you know, <laughs> go off on a tangent because sometimes I do that. But like, I, I think that one of our main responsibilities is that we are considered or I consider myself one of the first users one of the first, like, maybe not even beta testers, but alpha testers of CIQ products. So we get the products, we, you know, run them through the, the paces, we see what we, what we would like to do with them. And if we can do that, um, in doing that, we kind of close a loop uh, with product development then and kind of say, well, you know, this is really cool, but what I'd really like to do as a, as a user is X, Y, and Z. And uh, I think our users would want to do that too. And so we go back and kind of give suggestions back to uh, the development. And then we also do to some extent, like a little bit of kind of light QA work. So we'll identify bugs, um, you know, run things through kind of, you know, paces and things and see uh, what kinds of issues there are, and then go back and, and, you know, work with the developers along those. Another big thing that we do is a lot of training and education. Uh, outreach, that kind of stuff. I mean, we do stuff like this. 
um, which is part of that. Uh, I personally also do a lot of both on-site and remote uh, training that tends to be mostly aptainer and a little bit of fuzzball training because of my expertise, but you know, other folks might be training on other stuff as well. And we also, I mean, kind of one of the big things that we do too, as far as like, I mean, it's our title solutions architect is that we find innovative solutions. So I think a, a big part of our job is to kind of like look at, you know, we draw upon, so all of us on the solutions architect team pretty much have some kind of a high performance computing background or a cloud development background. And we draw on that and we look at all the products that we're developing and we say, okay, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could take and combine these in, you know, this kind of a different way and do this, or I know that users in my field have this kind of a need. Can I, you know, adapt the products that we currently have to fill that need? And if not, what, you know, what needs to be developed in order to do that? So we sort of, we're, you know, we're architecting solutions as solutions architect, and we really draw on our perspective, our perspective as, you know, past HPC and uh, cloud um, developers to be able to do that. So that's hopefully I didn't rant too much and I kept it kind of focused. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I think you covered a lot, but Forrest, what do you do that may be different than Dave? Is the mic working now? It is working. It's fine. Oh, it's thank goodness. Same, but it's all good. All right. Super cool. Um, I honestly could not add a ton to what Dave said there. That was a pretty good description of what we do on the day to day. Uh, like you said, we kind of take the toolbox of products that CIQ puts together. Um, and work with kind of all the teams involved between product engineering uh, and the customers to make sure that the use cases coming in are aligning with the direction of the product and uh, that um, customers overall are able to get uh, in the end what they're liaising with CIQ for in the first place. Uh, one thing I would also add is that we do uh, <clears throat> pretty frequently end up out at conferences uh, for different types of things, giving talks and stuff like that as well. So uh, I know, I think Dave noted trainings and stuff like that, but uh, pretty frequently we end up out um, SC different places like that, uh, giving talks and kind of, you know, boothing that type of thing. So, and writing blogs. Yeah, we yes we do a lot of that as well. The uh, a lot of blogging. we tend to take kind of the uh, experiences that we have in designing solutions, uh, like containerizing certain softwares, building out certain kind of novel, um, different. Uh, like new ways of looking at things like MPI and some of these, you know, classical tools of HPC, stuff like that. Um, oh, and just to mention, uh, SC is supercomputing, which is the biggest uh, US-based, um, I think they have an international one as well, but it's in the context is, uh, we've gone to it here, it's the largest US-based uh, supercomputing conference that they have every year. So, but yes, blogs, stuff like that, um, you probably see uh, Dave, Jonathan, Brian, Yoshi, and I on the, uh, uh, the CIQ blog pretty frequently, like I said, as we kind of publish our findings with uh, kind of both CIQ solutions and kind of the broader spheres of uh, open source software, containers, HPC, data center tech, that type of stuff. Thank you, Forrest. Yeah, I see you guys not only in the CIQ stuff, but actually in the open source. So Aptainer, Werewolf, we appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. So there, there are several other questions coming in. These are kind of fun. Go on, throw up the next one. What's your favorite ice cream, Rose? And why is it not mint chocolate chip? <laughs> uh, well, it's definitely Oreo cookie because I am not insane. <laughs> That's all. Dave? You don't like sweets, I know, but come on. Yeah, I'm honestly not that big on ice cream. Um, like, with you, man. yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe like, maybe like a, a a really good kind of vanilla bean vanilla because you could make a mm. um a uh, what do you call it a root beer float with it, or you can put it on some apple pie, and that's you know helps that out. But yeah, just ice cream by itself, I don't know. I'll eat it, but it, it's not my favorite. A root beer float. You know, when I lived in um, Australia. I remember I, I walked into a coffee shop and I ordered a mocha and it came with a giant scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. 
in my mocha. And I was like, this is so wrong on so many levels. And yet it's so right. <laughs> I was going to say, was it really that wrong? It sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I like how you slipped in that humble brag there. Uh, Rose. Yeah. Thank you. I know Claims to fame. I live there. <laughs> Greg, how about you? What's your favorite ice cream? Uh, I, I like to not relegate myself to favorites kind of in anything in life. Uh, to me, like, like somebody says, what's your favorite movie? I was like, it's going to change. Well, there's only one answer. No, no, no. From time to time, things change, right? And so it depends on the season, what mood I'm in, what I maybe just ate. So I'm, I'm a very open-minded person. I like to try all kinds of stuff. So do you try to match your ice cream with the actual meal? Are you not necessarily? Palate? But What's I mean, I here? I like uh, I like uh, mint chocolate. Uh, I think that is good. There, I've had one where it's like Oreos, like mint Oreos inside of mint ice cream. That's really good. I like vanilla bean, as per uh, Dave. There, I like a good Neapolitan. I like a sherbet. I like an ice cream cake. I like cake in shakes. I like generally. I'd like all sorts, all flavors. Just like I like people. I like everybody. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> why, why, why pick just one? Why pick just one? True. Yeah. Michael, I know you follow that, but. Oh, well, first of all, the right answer is Shawshank Redemption for best film of all time. You're, you're going to go that over right. Matrix? Like, Absolutely. Or all Hackers, like 1995 Hackers. That one was like Don't care. instrumental Don't care. in development in movie. IT. So, but I have, so my favorite ice cream is memory related. Uh, whenever I would go to Texas to visit my grandparents, we always got blue bell vanilla ice cream. My grandmother always had it in the freezer and that's my answer every time. Oh, I thought it was going to be like, uh, like a medicinal ice cream that helps your memory or something. Okay. It's not sold in Illinois. It's only sold in some Southern states. So like, whenever we go to Texas, the first place we would go to, if it was not already in the freezer, there's only one Walmart in all of Silver Springs, Texas. And we would go there and get tubs of bluebell ice cream. So that's my answer. Well, if you that's want something fantastic. super Texas, the Dr. Pepper Museums in Waco, Texas, where I grew up, and you get there and you get bluebell ice cream, vanilla, and they'll take the syrup and they'll just squirt the Dr. Pepper syrup right on it. And they call it a oh, Dr. Pepper awesome. Sunday. It is awesome. amazing. Yes, wow, it is. Zane, that sounds like your heaven. Well, it is. That's why I went to Baylor. <laughs> so I could be in Waco. <laughs> and they have Dr. Pepper hour three times a day, 10, 2, and 4. It's on the bottle. Okay, now it makes sense, your love of Dr. Pepper. It's all coming together now. Exactly. (laughs) Forrest, ice cream. What's your favorite? Do you have any with you? I don't at the moment here. uh, I've been away from frozen stores for a little while. And in general, my my freezer is a bit packed with uh, all my provisions and stuff at the moment. But... If I were to have ice cream in my freezer here, I would have one of those uh, Haagen-Dazs Middle of Swiss Almond little tubs. That's usually what I find myself reaching for if I'm uh, looking for ice cream. I, too, am a big mint chip fan, and uh, uh, Dr. Pepper has got to be like my favorite soda as well, when I do drink soda, which is rarely. But um, that, that Dr. Pepper Sunday, I'm like, that's uh, next time I'm in Texas, I'm going to have to Make a trip down there. That sounds great. We will find you one. Absolutely. All right, Zane, you too. It's tough for me. So I grew up in Texas. So Bluebell has always kind of been the benchmark, but I've got to say Telemook takes it. It's better. I know that's hard to say, but it is. And mint chocolate chip and then the black cherry is it's amazing. It's hard to beat. Jonathan, <laughs> chocolate chip, my favorite. The answer is because I'm not on the webinar. Perhaps God Love needs to try some lemon sorbet. Okay, kind of maybe I do. But it's like a coffee and thinking lemons. about lemon sorbet just sounds kind of not good right now. I'm going to be getting oh, a lot of ice cream suggestions game. probably oh, now. And you know dog. you are. It's going to show up in every forum. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I think Jimmy would argue that that's a corn dog. He believes everything is a corn dog. So you <laughs> have that conversation with him. What did Jimmy say? He says when, uh, oh, he's saying they wish they would still sell the syrup by itself. I thought they did. They no, they quit the selling it. Corporate, corporate got onto him. Oh, that's because Snapple bought him in it. Hmm. 
What are the most active? Oh, where are you most active in upstream? Sorry, I'm reading ahead of ahead of time. Jonathan's asking, where are you the most active? Dave, I know your answer, but I'm going to let you answer anyway. In an op- upstream or open source, where are you most active? Yeah, in the Aptainer community. That's where I'm definitely most active. And I'm, I'm uh, hanging around on um, GitHub and in Slack and just trying to answer questions recently from the past week or two and a lot of questions on um, GPU related kind of stuff. Been seeing some Rockham uh, AMD GPU related questions recently. So maybe that's starting to tick up a little bit that usage. Um, so uh, yeah, maybe that's a, maybe that's an insider stock tip. I don't know. <laughs> that discussion is coming up a lot. I, I hear a lot about Rockham in the last month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, but I mean, that should, like you said, that should be no surprise. That's where I hang out is the Aptainer community and try to answer questions and do stuffs. And create amazing documentation so that people like me can go actually accomplish something. I got to update you. some of that documentation, actually. There's some stuff that is missing. And so I got to carve out some time to update some stuff. So there were a new version getting close. We had, um, so the 1.2.0 uh, version of Aptainer came out fairly recently, but we're already on, oh man, 1.2.2, I think. Wow. So yeah, it's, uh, new versions come out pretty, pretty quickly, but yeah, there's been some, there's been some changes, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I found some omissions in the documentation and, um, you know, one thing I've been talking to people a lot about recently is just like software supply chain and, um, trying to advocate that people, uh, you know, when it makes sense for them to do so, use ORAS to, you know, the uh, OCI registry as storage protocol to push native SIF files up to places like Docker Hub and then use things like signing and verification of SIF files. And I've noticed, you know, I'm kind of showing people a lot that you can use ORAS as a bootstrap agent in your bootstrap definition, in your definition files, rather. Um, and when you do that, one of the keywords is fingerprints. And that's there, that's like uh, an undocumented feature, I guess, because it's not in the documentation right now. You, the, it's documented that you can do that when you pull from like a native, you know, CIF, CIF uh, library, but not when you use ORAS and you pull from an OCI registry. So there's stuff like that that's like just been, I keep looking at it. And I keep being like, man, I need some time to go over there and you know, make some PRs and improve some documentation. Now that I've made that public, I'm going to be getting yelled at if documentation doesn't get <laughs> Of course <updated>. you are. <laughs> and task created. I'm going to be getting yelled. I'm already getting yelled at by people about how I don't like ice cream. And that's a character flaw. And uh, now I'm getting yelled at because I'm going to be getting yelled at because the documentation is not up to date. <laughs> Just eat ice cream while you do documentation. <laughs> there you go. Two birds, one stone. Or choose ice cream you don't have access to on a regular basis. There you go. There you go. Greg, what community are you are you involved in? Uh, me, I do a lot of stuff with Ansible and Assembler, um, but for me, like uh, I'm not a I'm not a programmer. I did computer science in college, and if you ever saw any of the stuff I've written, you would say he's please get him away from any keyboard available. But um, my contributions are through education, so I do a lot of enablement, a lot of education. I put a lot of stuff, and believe it or not there's going to be something coming out that is extremely education heavy on Ansible and Assembler uh, in the very near future that's going to be hitting our website. And so I've been diligently working on all that stuff. So trying to teach the, teach the masses to me, that's one of the huge givebacks and um, something I heard uh, a friend of mine, Nick kind of turned me on to this little uh, cast. And the guy was talking about how, um, you know, a lot of times we don't share the things we know because we surround ourselves with like these really smart people and they already know all this stuff, right? Like, what, what am I going to teach Forrest or Dave, right? It's like, it's, it's not going to happen. But then you remember there's all these people behind you following the same path. And if you share your knowledge, you help teach, it's going to just bring all those people up along with you. So I'm a big proponent of um, uh, education. Greg, did I hear you correctly? Did you say assembler? Oh, a sender, a sender. I'm sorry. Like when my start talking fast, my, my mouth language. gets all uh, jumbled. You, no, that was awesome. I, I was like, wait, was this a new language. product? Like I didn't know. <laughs> no, a sender, a sender. Sorry. Like uh, so my brain will start processing so fast that I'll start 
making portmanteaus out of words as they come out of my mouth. Yeah, I can't help that. Good just going back in time and writing assembler code. I did do some assembler and I never want to do it again. I'm so sorry. This yeah, I did awful. COBOL as well. So also sorry. I wasn't it's a fan awful. of that either. <laughs> New question. Bad. What's the oldest language you've written in? <laughs> Probably COBOL. What's or well, I don't know. Assembler predates that. It does. I can, claim, I can claim to have worked with an ever so tiny amount of Fortran 77 code uh, in the context of different uh, HPC applications that, if you could believe it, are actually built on that type of thing. It turns out like 40 to 50 years worth of work on compilers and things like that. Yeah, you know, like there's a, at least one like quantum chemistry program that I'm aware of. I, I haven't like directly done a ton of like coding in it, uh, if if any at all, to be honest. But I have like deployed and been amused to deploy Fortran 77 software into like the late 2010s, 2020s here. That was going to nice. be my answer as well. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh working with uh, an organization that was doing fluid dynamics testing on engines and they were using Fortran 77. And I was like, never heard of it, but if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. So <laughs> we'll do it. Oh, that's fantastic. There is a question specifically for Forrest in here. Oh. Thank you, Steve, for the question. Forrest, what technologies are you most excited about these days? Oh, these I days. This is a loaded question. I feel like this is a really loaded question. He knows where it's going to go. <laughs> uh, what technologies am I most excited about these days? Uh, at the moment, I would say I am most excited about um, kind of. Well, at the moment, I guess I'm most excited about working with like some of Meta's new AI stuff that's come out, to be honest. I'm uh, tinkering with that at the moment. Uh, getting that up and running and kind of containerized in AppTainer uh, and trying to get it up and running as a fuzzball workflow. Um, so I'm really excited to be uh, kind of tinkering around with that type of thing. Um, otherwise, uh, the technologies I'm most excited about are probably uh, improved battery and otherwise electrical system technologies for uh, motorhomes and otherwise RVs and that type of thing. <laughs> so, um, uh, but why, in general... Why would you be interested in that, Forrest? Because I'm, uh, I'm watching my power bricks enhance. Time to unblur the background. <laughs> What's that? I was just saying enhance. Time to unblur the background. <laughs> that, you know, uh, uh, my my. I found you know very quickly after I got to here that my my one inverter I have won't power the uh, you know the Dell laptop charger that I have because it's a modified sine wave type thing. My Starlink buzzes really loud when I plug it into that. Um, I've got coach batteries that I made the classic, you know, new RV mistake of accidentally killing by, like, leaving them, you know, letting them discharge too much. Um, so, yeah, technologies. Inverters, lithium batteries, solar panels, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, Cummins Gensets, things like that. Um, but related like to this a, type of thing. Like there's a whole webinar just on this topic alone of research that should go into this before you do it. And then as you're doing it. Yeah. So this is the part where we find out Forrest is a doomsday prepper and he's in his bunker. Hmm. Kind of. Uh, you know, a little bit. Kind okay. of sort of, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my RV at the moment at Yellowstone National Park. Oh, that's I'm awesome. Around. I'm got out of Glacier National Park about two weeks ago or so, and I've been actually out in this thing for about a month now, a little over a month as of today or yesterday or so. Um, but yeah, so that, that type of technology is very exciting. But in general, like related to our type of sphere, um, one big thing that I'm kind of doing at the moment, I've worked a lot with Fuzzball at CIQ, uh, and while I'm very excited to find that Meta's Llama stuff is much easier to get up and running than some of our previous uh, open source LLM stuff this year, uh, they really have kind of got it set, so it just kind of flows pretty easily. Um, I've worked a lot with Fuzzball, but at the moment, uh, I'm starting to work a little bit more with 
like CIQ's other solutions, like uh, Greg and others have kind of touched on, uh, like Mountain Ascender, things like that. Uh, and so I'm really excited to kind of be tinkering around with those, especially the automation with Ascender and seeing how I can, uh, you know, after a while of um, kind of doing certain things manually, kind of start to uh, work to improve the processes that we've got here on the SA team within, like I said, the context of being able to you know, use our CIQ tools and, uh, you know, kind of use that as a springboard to learn a little bit more about them deeper. So excited to see those technologies. Uh, like I said, excited about AI and uh, very excited about anything I can do to make my power situation more secure. I such a fascinating conversation. I feel like we could just keep going on that for a long time. Back to Forrest and I have talked about that quite often. So it's probably best you not even get me started. I'll just I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, we've got a webinar to run. <laughs> so good. We did have a question that popped in earlier, I think from LinkedIn. If we can throw that one up about open ELA. There we go. Uh CIQ is being one of the founders of Open ELA. Will CIQ have a specific role in Open ELA? For example, would CIQ take an HPC and AI-related package from a uh, package while, for other example, Oracle handles cloud-related packages? It's a good question. Um, I want to say yes, but I don't think there's a specific role that anyone's trying to play. I think it's just kind of what the community needs and who who is working on it at the time. I don't think it's actually been laid out to that level yet. I'd be happy for anybody else to comment on that as well, but I don't I don't think it's been defined in that way, and I don't know that it will be. So that actually sounds like it would be probably more within um, the domain of one of the SIGs, right? I think so. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, I don't know how the SIGs are going to fit into um, Open ELA if, if they will. I kind of think they're their own thing to some extent, right? Um, more of a downstream thing. Yeah, right. But good question. Yeah. That's a good question. I think it's definitely worth keeping in the archive to make sure that if there's any updates that we put that out. Absolutely. I have a thank question. you for the question. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying thank you for the question. How about it, Rose? Oh, David Dubonis. We'll do this one real quick first. What can go through glass without breaking it? Sun. The sun, the rays. Light. The, well, yeah. Light. light. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> My Man. gaze. Although Ultimately, just another form of light because yeah. radio waves. Yeah. Well, say, the the electromagnetic spectrum. Well, and, and the, the CIA's mind control stuff. That... <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm talking to the amateur radio enthusiast. I'm not sure if that's light related or not. It's something it's on some spectrum. You have a foil hat behind you, Dave. <laughs> oh, man. Do, 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 Microwaves. Do. Okay. Um, this question is actually for Dave, um, but anyone else can kind of jump in but um so i know that you really have like a, a a breadth of experience with um aptainer and you do mostly that but i do believe that more recently you've been getting into playing around with werewolf a little bit more beginning to understand it um helping build clusters with werewolf like what is your experience with that like have you found it inviting have you found it easy like what are the you know little kinks in the road things that you've learned that you can share with people around about being kind of new to werewolf yeah so um that's a good set of questions uh so, yeah because you could you could kind of like um i feel like i'm a werewolf newbie mm -hmm. uh you know kind of getting into it and trying to figure it out and stuff so We've been having some discussions about this within the SA team recently uh, around the idea of sort of branching out and making sure that we're uh, having a not just a depth of knowledge, but also a breadth of knowledge across multiple different technologies. And I think that um, for me in particular, and I think probably a lot of people are like this, it's it's hard for me to just like say, I'm going to go learn this. You know, I actually it, it's it's more important for me to be like, well, I, I've got this goal. I got this thing I want to do. And this, there's this tool, this new tool that will help me do that goal. And so I, you know, that's really how I learn stuff. And so recently within, um, within the, uh, you know, that kind of framework, I've had a goal, uh, just to like, you know, spin up an HPC cluster in a cloud resource and be able to like kind of spin it up, um, you know, just, uh, 
on demand and take it down on demand. And I had that goal to do some testing uh, within the Slurm cluster. And so because of that, I worked with, um, you know, Brian Fan, another one of our brilliant solutions architects who does all kinds of great work. Um, he put together uh, some Terraform and some Ansible and also uh, Jonathan Anderson, you know, worked a lot on this as well, but put together some Terraform and Ansible scripts to um, spin that stuff up on one of our cluster environments. And then I was able to get in and, you know, mess around and, and figure out a, a few things about werewolf. I will say that I wanted to learn werewolf or I've been kind of struggling to learn werewolf for a while now. And one of the biggest hurdles I've, uh, I've had to do this is that werewolf is not like Aptainer where it's like, all you need is a VM and boom, you can do whatever you want with werewolf. You need like, you need something you can pixie boot, you know? And so that's gotta be either. You have to kind of create some VMs that you can pixie boot, which is not the easiest thing to do, or you've got to have some real hardware laying around that you can pixie boot. And so one of the, one of the clouds, um, one of the cloud, providers that we use quite a bit is actually a little bit lesser known. It's called Vulture. And we use it specifically because you can allocate bare metal instances uh, that allow you to pixie boot them. And so that's one of the cool things we can do is play around with those with Werewolf. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, I'm not like, uh, I'm definitely, I have a lot more expertise in Aptainer than I do in Werewolf at this point in time. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really cool. I found so far that it's, uh, the container knowledge that I have has really lent itself to werewolf. So it's kind of containery in the sense that like, if you understand containers, you, you kind of understand how to build node images and uh, deploying them is pretty easy. It's kind of magical. The first time you restart a, a node and you just watch it coming up and all of a sudden it's got all the, you know, the, the new uh, software that you've pushed out to it and stuff. So yeah, those are my kind of like scattershot impressions and uh, my ideas about werewolf. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Kamel, mm -hmm. thanks. C and Fuzzball be deployed on a Slurm-based cluster? Oh, can, sorry. <laughs> can Fuzzball be deployed <laughs> on a Slurm-based cluster? <laughs> Forrest, I think this is on you, bud. Dave, I think I'm actually going to pass this one to you. Was, uh, oh, we're just going to... The person yeah, internally... Like potato looked a little bit well recently as dave noted we've been looking into this a little bit on the sa team and dave uh just gave an interesting uh, presentation and such about this topic so um dave i'm gonna pass that one to you okay kinda, yeah cool at the moment you know we're, we're working on it but if you know you see you know my answer here is uh you know we're working on it this is uh kind of you know some are doing research and development into at ciq um, but Dave, I, like I said, I know you've done some specific stuff. So if you have anything to add kind of from your experiences recently. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I was just talking a minute ago about uh, spinning up uh, Slurm clusters on demand to be able to do tests. Well, this was the kind of testing I was doing. I was like spinning up Slurm clusters and then trying to get uh, pieces of fuzzball to work within the Slurm clusters and kind of trying to see how they interact and everything. Um so I will say, I'm trying to think about how to, how to, how to best answer this. Like we have ideas for how Slurm and Fuzzball might interact, but the, this is pretty, this is pretty early at this point in time. We, we've not actually implemented any kind of like plugins or, you know, we don't have anything going on as far as, as far as that right now, but we're, we're in kind of the, um, the, like, I guess the, the architect, the solutions architect kind of phase where we're like taking things and slapping them together and seeing how they work and playing around with them and everything. Uh, we have ideas about this. I don't know. I don't really know like how, you know, I don't want to like say that this is the direction we, we're going to go in and then it ends up being like a totally different direction. So yeah. Um, but yeah, not, not right now. It can't, I mean, it, they don't like enter. I mean, you could de deploy fuzzball on a storm cluster if you wanted to. Um, but they don't really interact in any way. And we're kind of like thinking about how that might, that interaction might work. Thank you for the question. Let's go to Vaccine. Is there a public Git repository for fuzzball? No, not yet. 
It is still under development, so we have not open sourced any of it yet. That's a good question, though. We get that one a lot. Absolutely. Jonathan Anderson, what's your preferred programming language? And what's the next language that you'd like to learn and why? I'll go first. Pick somebody. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I am always trying to be more versed in cloud technologies. And in almost every conversation that I've seen, uh, I feel like Go is the language that always comes up, so that's absolutely what I want to learn next. I feel like Zane knew that was coming, but uh, I think the challenge becomes twofold. Um, one, obviously, just kind of dealing with that between my day-to-day -day duties, that's one thing. The other thing is I tend to learn things better if I've got a project that I'm working towards, and so I really want to find an excuse for a home project. I do a lot of things like in my own home. I've got Raspberry Pis set up throughout my house. I might use that to test things out or run things in my home network or whatever. If there's a nice Go-based Raspberry Pi project, then I might do that in my spare time. That'll force me to learn and actually retain things. I'm really just having a moment here as I'm talking, like, <laughs> I should do that. I should do that. There's got to be something for a Home Assistant, right? A Go-based yeah, project exactly. for Home Assistant? There has to be. Somebody sure. has to have started it. Come on. There's got to be. So, yeah, that's my answer. Craig? No, oh, people aren't going to like this. I did a lot of uh, Windows Four stuff. Train. I know you're not supposed to say Windows stuff in the past, but uh, 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 there's this uh, open source or at least freeware programming language called Autoit, or some people say AutoIT. And I have done so much stuff in there that I can basically do it in my sleep. I even wrote um, this for a data center. It like pulled all of the branch circuit monitoring, their entire infrastructure, pulled it all into an interface and, I know that's been in production for like a decade and it was all written in there. So please don't, please don't judge me. Um, but, uh, and this is, this is arguable. Hopefully this is like arguing about religion, whether Ansible is a programming language or not. But uh, I like uh, writing playbooks because I have just done it so much now that I can whip stuff out so ridiculously fast. It is kind of my go-to as far as like, if I want to script something, I can actually script it faster in Ansible than I can like in Bash or, you know, like uh, PowerShell or whatever flavor of operating system you happen to be working on. So you're a YAML guru. That's what I'm hearing. No, I, 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 I can I can put two spaces in front of something. So, yes, I can do that. But, uh, but no, it's like it's my preferred go to for sure. Very nice. Dave, yeah. I think I know your answer, too. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, this, the actual question is preferred programming language. So I don't have a preferred programming language. Um, I mean, it's like there's different, you, you got to choose the best tool for the job, right? And so it kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, I, in the past, uh, so so the, the programming language that I'm probably the most proficient in is MATLAB. Um, so in the past, um, I, I did a ton of MATLAB to the point where, and it was the first thing I learned. It was the first programming language I learned to the point where when I got into some other programming languages, I, I saw all these strings, I saw all these characters and I was like, what are you doing with all these strings and characters? I don't understand it. And then, you know, when it was like, here's how you actually deal with numbers and here's how you deal with arrays. I was like, what? That's so clunky. Like, like everything that I've ever, you know, basically I thought like all programming is numbers because I was in MATLAB and everything I thought about was just like arrays of numbers and, you know, linear algebra and just matrices. And to the point where like I could, I can do image manipulation probably quicker and easier in MATLAB than I can in Photoshop, right? Just by reading the thing in as a three-dimensional matrix of RGB values for each pixel and then just do what I want on all the pixels and then, you know, bring it back out. Um, I also have a lot of fluency in a language which is basically dead called Tempo, uh, which is a real-time programming language, which allows you to um, do things like present stimuli on... Um, CRT monitors, which are locked to the refresh cycle and use inputs like um, voltage traces from an eye tracker watching the position of, you know, somebody's eyes to do things like 
tick, you know, make solenoids go and do stuff like this. And all this within like real time, within like a single process cycle, which is like a single millisecond and stuff like that. I did a lot of that. Um, that's not a transferable skill. <laughs> um, so like uh, at this point, I mean, you know, I, I, I do some go. Uh, I do a lot. I mean, I do a lot of bash just because that's the proper thing to, to use for a lot of the stuff that I do. Uh, I do some Python when that's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I mean, just the right tool for the job, right? I think it's interesting because you have a different perspective. I mean, everybody else are pretty much computer scientists. So we have a very different view of an actual scientist. That's so cool. It's cool that you have a, a very different view of programming and where you've actually used it and come from. So computer science is actual science, by the way. <laughs> it real. is, but it's different. It is, but it's different. Forest. Preferred language. One you want to learn. I'll go ahead and be that guy and say my preferred language is Python at the moment. Um, just because that's what most all of the AI stuff I'm working in is. Uh, I'm also just kind of a Python fan. It's a fun little language to work on stuff in. I'm a former student, so I used to use you know Python, Bash, you know that type of access of scripting languages quite frequently uh, to put together like different, uh, <clears throat> just like sysadmin type. You know, I'm sure everyone's familiar with you know different scripts, you know, monitoring that type of thing. Uh, so I'm a big fan of stuff like that. Uh, kind of not necessarily a program language but i do a lot of you know like container design i do a lot of like workflow design in yaml not necessarily in like ansible but in for example fuzzball um and so kind of that oh no did he freeze for everybody or just me i think it's for, everybody. Oh, it's for everybody there we go Start we like to the next satellite. now you're back you guys lose me for a second yeah we lost you About you're five. good where was i out Fuzzball. You said fuzzball. Then you lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of, uh, like I said, Python and Bash as a former sysadmin, kind of the scripting languages, that type of thing. Um, and then not necessarily a programming language, but I'm also a big fan of kind of how it all comes together um, in kind of that, um, you know, Ansible workflow, et cetera, type sphere, um, YAML workflow codification, basically. I don't use YAML so, or I don't use uh, Ansible so much in that sphere. I'm usually in fuzzball, kind of putting together like HPC workflows. Um, but overall, just kind of that sphere of um, taking what somebody needs a system to do as far as their research and putting together from, you know, end to end all the scripts, whether that's Bash or Python or whatever, their code, et cetera, the containers, and then finally a workflow that orchestrates all that um, is kind of my favorite thing in programming. I had to pick a preferred language. It's Python these days. And generally, I'm kind of looking forward to learning a little bit more about that sphere of things in ways that I haven't before, kind of like, um, you know, loading and using AI and the terms or in terms of that, um, being able to, uh, <clears throat> like at the moment, I'm doing a lot more than I have before of like interfacing with models on a code level in Python using their APIs, uh, using their uh, scripts, that type of thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of seeing a little bit more how that sphere of things goes. I have a feeling I'll probably end up on some uh, Go programming at uh some point which is uh would be really interesting to learn i know we have um a few people on the sa team who have done quite a bit of that and have kind of learned quite a bit of that uh in the context of the sa team <clears throat> i've never been like a massively heavy um you know software programmer type guy but i've always enjoyed like c and that type of thing specifically c and not the sub derivatives like sharp plus plus etc um, I've always kind of enjoyed C for the simplicity. So I'm kind of, uh, and just for like, just the inner, you know, I like Python because it's, you know, good for certain things, you know, just like Dave says, there's, you know, different tools for different purposes. But I've always enjoyed C for just like the raw, just interface into the system that you get. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what I've kind of heard about Go, which is that it's a combination of these much, you know, you know, higher level, easier, uh, to use languages like Python while still giving you the capacity of uh, like a systems level programming language like Go. So, or sorry, like C. Um, so I'm very excited to kind of dig into that a little bit more as well. Thank you, Forrest. I'm going to make Greg really happy and say I've written more stuff in Perl than anything else. 
Greg Kurtz or Greg Soul. Different Greg. Sorry, Greg. No, I cringed as well. Don't worry. I know. Everybody should. <laughs> See, I liked it. I just said I wrote more in it than anything else. Except maybe Java. I think we had another question. It was a good one. Michael, I'm going to leave this one to you. Yeah, so the question is, I'm new to AWX and have not been able to install successfully. Will there be an installer for a sender on Kubernetes, or will it be easier to ask for support from CIQ to set it up? So I've, the answer is yes and yes. And I can say that with confidence because that's what I've been working on for the past couple of weeks or so. So one of the things that uh, that is that I think can be added is the, to the documentation because there's very limited documentation. I've been able to find blog posts, for example, on how to install AWX on various platforms, but I haven't been able to find a single place for, hey, if you want to install this with external Postgres, if I want to install this on top of EKS or GKE or AKS, whatever. Uh, and that's ultimately what we want to do here at CIQ. Um, so I'm taking things one platform at a time. Um, and you can just, that what will ultimately happen is you'll be able to choose, hey, I'm running on this flavor of Kubernetes and uh, I'm actually using an actual playbook on the command line with a script to uh, to install a sender. So the short answer is yes. Um, we're working on that. And I, I don't want to put a hard timeline on that, but I, my goal is to get that out in the next week or so at least to start with. Uh, but loud and clear, that's one of the things that I've always wanted with AWX, and that's one of the things that we're going to do with the sender for that very reason. It comes from hard experience from myself, likely for Greg, likely for Zane, and for Anthony, and probably a multitude of other people as well. So the answer is yes. And yes, we can help you with that as well. Yes. Thank you for that question. This looks like a God love question. If you were, if you were to redevelop Aptainer again, what language would you use? This is a funny question um, because um, we did that. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that was a major, that was like a major thrust of, you know, singularity Aptainer. Um, that was, that was basically, let's see what the, um, I've got my, my little, I don't know if you can hear my little girl screaming daddy upstairs right now. Hold on. Hey baby, it's okay. I'm in a meeting. Love you. <laughs> She's telling you what language you need to learn like next. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So when, when, um, when Greg originally wrote Singularity, uh, which became Aptainer at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, um, he, he, he kind of wrote it in like a mixture of C and bash. Um, and what he did is he made like his own kind of like almost like library of executable calls you could make uh, in C that you could call them through bash. So that it would make it easier to write it in bash. And, you know, it was good for what was needed at the time. Um, and then uh, some other um, community members got involved and started to do cloudy kinds of stuff, uh, you know, and, and they did that in Python because that was kind of the right tool for the job at the time. But so then um, Singularity ended up being written in this like kind of big mismatch of, um, you know, C, Bash and Python. Um, and so we got to a certain point and with the development and it got to the point where we wanted to do things like um, uh, implement um, network namespaces and networking with an Aptainer. And we wanted to get a little bit more advanced. And when we got to those points, we realized that there was already, already these tools out there in the, like the container community, which would allow us to do that. Like CNI, for instance, was the, the thing that we needed to use for the, for the network stack. And there was other things as well that we wanted to do that had already been done and we didn't need to reinvent the wheel. And we certainly didn't need to rewrite all that stuff in C and Python and Bash. So we made the decision that we really, you know, to be integrated with the, uh, the container community, we really need to rewrite the code and go. And so that was the main, you know, thrust for uh, 
quite some time. I, I believe it was, I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to go through and look. I think it was the 2.0. Um, no, it was the 3.0. The 3.0 uh, release of app of Singularity at the time was a complete rewrite of Singularity in Go. Um, so that was a huge undertaking. Um, and it was very, very hard to go through that process. Uh, you know, I was <laughs> in the thick of it during that and we're, we're not going to do that again. So go is good. We're happy with that. We're not going to rewrite Aptainer in another language. We, we like, we made that decision specifically for Aptainer. And aside from the fact that it was a lot of work and heartache and sadness for everybody, um, <laughs> we're just not going to do it just because, uh, you know, that that's, we, we chose the language and that's the language that, you know, we wanted to write it in. Thank you, Cedric, for doing that. <laughs> Putting it in yeah, Cedric did a really? lot, and he deserves a ton of credit. But you know, I think he'd be the the first to say that it, it wasn't just him. There was a lot yeah, of absolutely, other absolutely it. huge effort. Thanks to everyone involved in that. I feel like we missed a whole segment of topics that have nothing to do with computers or IT, like coffee, barbecuing. It's like a whole other webinar. Between Michael, you'd fill an hour just yes. on barbecuing <laughs> coffee, maybe four hours or five. Tell me you're an old guy without telling me you're an old guy. Hmm? Barbecue and coffee? Yeah, for hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you've hung out with Michael. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's the oldest 30 year old I've ever met. I was going to say, we've got opinions about barbecue. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> Oh, David Rush asks a terrible question. Pineapple on pizza. I yes. It's so polarizing, but it is. Yes. Rose, pineapple right. on pizza? It's 100% yum. Absolutely. Delicious. California. Magical. That's why I knew you were going to answer that. Like, yeah, yes. with a little like dipped in the ranch. <sighs> yes, That's man. Awful. Yes. Dave, your face. I don't know what's going on with your face. You lost me there with the, you know, I mean. It's a total California thing, but you, you have to, you cannot knock it until you try it. With the pineapple? Yes, pineapple and Ham, ranch pineapple together? cheese sauce, bread, ranch. Yes, no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> so <that>. gross. <laughs> so good. I've done pineapple no. barbecue. That sounds good. Maybe I'll pass it on pineapple. pizza. I actually make a pineapple barbecue sauce. To be honest, mm. yeah. So I I, I I typically roll a peach barbecue sauce, but um, sometimes peaches aren't in season, and I can get pineapples because there's airplanes. So. <laughs> pineapple, pineapple barbecue sauce. <laughs> uh, oh, Neil, pineapple, bacon, jalapenos. Oh, yeah. uh, Jeffrey, are you saying that pineapple on pizza is also a Canadian thing? Because I feel like it's just stolen from California. No, Seems it was like a Greek immigrant in Canada that invented the pineapple pizza. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it comes with Canadian Thank bacon. You. So, so we're saying California mm. stole it from Canada. There we go. As long as I know who to blame for ruining pizza. <laughs> yeah, I said it. What, why is it pizza in general that has all these like, uh, you know, not that I'm calling the, the origin story that you just suggested apocryphal, but how come <laughs> it, it's pizza in general that has all these apocryphal ori origin stories like pizza originated here and this type of pizza originated there. And then there's people who fight over like, you know, whether or not they invented pizza or not. And you're like, what, what's with pizza that it, you know, people have such opinions about it. I think it was a name. Know, Dave, it's universal the same thing food. could be said about Dr. Pepper because people who fight over where that got started too. Just saying. They Frank. can fight me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they can fight you. <laughs> okay, I can say it. Greg fights blue hedgehogs. Is that right? I just want to throw that in there at some point. Mm. I think I think I'm wholly misunderstood. I think uh, <laughs> big big hedgehog has spun the narrative in that direction. When honestly, I'm just a I'm just an innocent technologist trying to to live my life and constantly being interrupted. Don't, by don't it. mess up my Doctor Robotnik reference. <laughs> oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it's been totally spun the wrong direction. Has it tails and knuckles are miscreants. You know they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, look at the people he surrounds himself with. It's Sorry, ridiculous. I, just to, I, was, I was able to shoehorn that in, so that, that's it. My job is done. That worked. <laughs> you got it. 
don't see any more questions. At least I don't see any more on YouTube. We don't have any more questions. Rose, do you have any more questions? I don't, yeah. I think I'm good. I mean, it's not gonna lead into another hour or two hours worth of conversation. No, no, I think I'm I think we're done. So I guess my final question is not a question. It's a comment. You are amazing and wonderful and beautiful. And I thank every single one of you for being here and all the cool things that you are creating. And Dave, the things that you're breaking. Thank you. <laughs> and um, reach out to CIQ, CIQ.com. We would love to chat with you about all the amazing things that we are doing. We got the werewolf and the Rocky and the Aptainer and the mountain and the fuzzball and the ascender and all the things. And we would love to support you and your environment. So reach out to us, leave a comment. We always come back and answer all of them. And thanks for being with us. You're amazing. Have a great day. Bye. Everybody. Thanks.